You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Hello and welcome to Creatives Making Money. Today I have with me one of my dear friends and favorite humans, Joe Tucker. Joe Tucker is a post-traumatic growth guide and Reiki master and teacher with a focus on resolving the unprocessed trauma that dictates cycles of stuck. Through somatic and energetic approaches to trauma resolution, she works with clients to rewire their nervous systems to resolve perfectionism, procrastination, and shame so they can live their magic out into the world now. Hi, Joe. Hi. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited you're here today. Um, I have a lot of questions I want to make sure I ask you mm-hmm. specifically for this episode, but I guess let's get started. Like, how did you end up becoming a post-trauma guide? Like, how does this, how does one become a post-traumatic guide? um yeah I mean there's the long story and there's the short story um I I think that the this iteration of my like what is my work in this world like Reiki has been a part of my life for a long time I stumbled into it in high school was one of those like kind of weird new age kids (laughs) even way back then um And so when my coaching business started, there was like echoes of that kind of stuff, but I hadn't grown into exactly where I am now. Um, And I think that's what's like awesome about having your own business. And I think you're a testament to this is like, oh, it can change at any moment and gets to grow with you. Um, But the post-traumatic stuff really started to come into play uh, a couple of years ago. I was noticing that there were just some some patterns in my life that were just not shifting. And I was using my energetic tools and my mindset tools and all of this great coaching and intellectually understood where I was at, like had like this self-awareness almost to the point of like crippling self-awareness where you know your patterns so well and yet still felt like, and here I am inside them again. (laughs) You know, like, ah, I know you, I can see like the forest for the trees now. And like, that doesn't help me kind of transform them. Right. And so I was feeling this like lack in my own life of like really sustained change and transformation around these harder things. Um, And at the same time, I lost my mother quite suddenly to stage four pancreatic cancer earlier that year. And so a lot of things were kind of up for me <laughs> for consideration and, and feelings, lots of change in my life. Um, 
as you like transition through that kind of a portal. And one of the main things that I noticed was this newfound like lack of trust that the work that I put into things, no matter how much I threw at it, anything could be taken away at any moment. And this is like a legacy of, of losing both of my parents and multiple other people and just living in this life that is often chaotic, right? The death for me, and maybe you can speak to this too, Jamie, is like a really quick and dirty way to understand how much you really don't have control in your life. And so instead of finding that balance, um, which might have been helpful, like it is good to acknowledge like there are things we can and cannot control, but instead of feeling balanced in that, I felt debilitated. I felt completely frozen by that. And could go through the motions of continuing in my life and, and, and doing the things like working with coaches and being like, yes, I'm going to launch that. But I, I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel excited. I couldn't feel interested. I just wanted to throw the whole thing in the fucking garbage, not the business, but like the having to care about it thing. Um, and that's not how I wanted to live my life. <laughs> I'm a big feeler. I'm a double cancer. I got a lot of things going on. And so, um, in like kind of feeling into that, an opportunity came across my desk with um, my great friend and mentor, Rachel Maddox, and um, decided to hop in to a container with her that was really about like, it was called Rebloom Your Business. So it was like, okay, she has a mission for creating trauma-informed coaches. And she has this um, really great base of knowledge in trauma resolution, somatic work, and a whole program behind it. And so I was like, fuck it. Like <laughs> a part of me was like, do you really want to dive into this? Like life is pretty intense right now. You're like dealing with a whole new landscape with the loss of your mother. But this larger part of me was like, yeah, let's do this bitch. So I hopped in. Um, and yeah, for the first time I felt like some, some ease creeping into some of those patterns, some things kind of really being able to fall away and new, more life-supporting, life-giving patterns coming into place that were really coming from me, not a system that I was trying to implement from anyone else. Um, and that for me is like uh, the, the juice of this post-traumatic stuff is like this idea of radical self-consent, leaving space, moving slowly for this inherent treatment plan to emerge from you um, and having the tools to allow that to like bloom in your life. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I, I, it's, I can't imagine listening to this and not, and not being someone who's just like completely nodding along, like, oh my God, yes. Like patterns that I noticed, but then I'm still like, why am I still doing this? And I can't seem to stop. Like what is going on? Um, there's so much I want to touch on. What I really want to address first is like for anyone listening who doesn't know what somatic work is, can you just explain that a little bit? Sure. Um, so the idea behind it is that uh, when we, hmm, what's the easiest way to talk about this? When we're triggered, it's not our brain that's making decisions for us. It actually like completely leaves the picture, our cognitive function. It's our more like animalistic, instinctual self, the somatic body. So when you touch like a hot thing, it's not the brain being like, this is hot. What should we do about it? Let's cognitively decide. It's instinctual. Like, let's get the fuck out of here. 
And so that's where this emerging field of, of development is understanding that trauma is where it's situated in that somatic body. It's not cognitive. That's often why when we're out of a trigger, we're like, who, who was that? Like, why did I act that way? It's because that cognitive function is gone. It's only about survival. And so to be able to rewire our nervous systems towards wellness and health and away from maybe more of a momentum of trauma, which may be characterized as lack of choice, um, everything moving really fast, uh, lack of like any kind of um, your awareness for what's healthy and what's safe is completely kind of skewed. That usually is kind of the legacy of trauma and we can get more deeper into that. But to be able to actually rewire back to this blueprint of health, this permanent state of self that's stronger, more stable and, and delicious, creative, resourceful, we have to work at that body level instead of from the mind with mindset work. Mind is great and we need both, but this is more of a bottom up body based approach that aims to like go where the instinct actually lies instead of intellectualizing it. Does that make sense? It does. And um, it feels when you talk about being able to kind of come back into like being creative and being resourceful and being like having more life to give mm. and having it come from you, you know, I can't help but think about like being creatively blocked and, and what that really is and how that shows up. So I'm curious to hear, you know, what's your perspective on stuckness in a creative capacity, mm-hmm. you know, like why do you think that shows up for people? Yeah. I mean, a whole host of reasons, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, excuse me. One of the, one of our main blueprints. So there's some really good foundational blueprints that allow us to be in and of ourselves. And then there's the, the other blueprints that allow us to be in and of the world. Um, and so one of those in and of ourselves is this idea of like whole self-expression that it is like our natural desire and capacity to be fully self-expressed in ways that are really healing for people um, as opposed to harmful <laughs> and really like joyful and, and, and life-giving and just regenerative for ourselves and for our community. Um, unfortunately, through the systems that currently exist in this world, we're not ever given that message. And so while the blueprint there exists within you, it's the permanent aspect of self of like, it's amazing to be self-expressed. That's what we're here for. Um, We also live in an imprinted world in a bit of a, I think we could both agree on this, like toxic collective soil at the moment and perhaps (laughs) many, many moments. (laughs) And so the imprint for that whole self-expression is shame and repression. Um, so that can look like a part of you just being laughed at by your family or like, oh, that's a silly idea. Like put that away. Um, and a lot of this happens when we're in our, our younger childhood, we're taught lessons around what's proper and appropriate expression. So when we see like, um, kids being like, like shamed for having feelings, right. That's my legacy, right. Is like, I knew that if I had any feelings, I learned very quickly that my feelings would overwhelm and harm my family unit. And so as a child, instead of thinking cognitively through relational, oh, that must be because her mother felt that way. Or like, you don't have like the capacity for that. You're just like, 
okay, I see the reaction. I'm centering myself in this reaction because as a child, that's all I can do. So I'm going to adjust my behaviors to try and make this place a lot healthier, happier for everyone, safer for me. I need to survive here. And so I learned that like feeling things was like not okay. And when you shut down that feeling aspect of self, it's hard to be creative because we don't have full access to ourselves. We don't have full access to our medicine. And so what's coming out is the thing that is maybe seemed as appropriate as we'll make other people happy. Um, it can go in either of these directions of like the hypo, which is like more of the freeze response that you'll see is dimming. Like, oh, I, I guess I'm just not expressive. Like how often do we think, oh, I'm not an artist. That's like a natural innate thing that people have and I don't have it. Well, yes, being an artist is a natural innate way that we are, but everyone has it. It's just that you have an imprint over top of it. And we can clear up that imprint of dimming of being like, oh, I guess my expressive power, like it just doesn't, doesn't exist. Like, I'll just go with the flow. I'm not meant to be creative. I'm not meant to be a visionary, but instead um, we can actually do some work to clear that up. So that's the hypo expression of that is like, I guess I'm just not creative. I don't know. <laughs> And then the other side of it is that defiant creativity. It's like saying like, fuck you and like creating and expressing in ways that are violent towards other people, right? And that's a way of getting that need met, um, but through that like um, kind of running, that fight, that flight kind of response. And so, yeah, shame and repression are like at the root of that. and. When we don't know ourselves, when we don't have like our worthiness intact, it's really hard to be creatively expressive in more risky ways, right? Because we got to be safe. If our belonging could be taken from us at any moment, then I can't say what I really feel. Ooh, that's a quotable right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just love you, Joe Tucker. Um, how have you seen a transformation in your own self, you know, since, since like doing this work yourself and becoming, becoming expert in it? You know, how has that impacted your business and how you notice yourself operating? Yeah. Um, I could like say like so many things. Um, but if we're following this tangent of that whole self-expression, that's a huge part of my journey. I, I grew up wanting to be like a Disney animator. That was like my thing. I was going to draw and create, and I had all of these like bubbling ideas. Um, and that aspect of myself was never asked to not exist. Like my artistic, like drawing side was like semi-nurtured, but my visionary weird ideas were kind of poo-pooed. <laughs> And my emotional expression, as I also said, was kind of turned down because it was dangerous. It was harmful for my mother, particularly. And so um, my feeling, it, like the way that my body reacted to being creatively expressed was that that was going to be harmful. And so if you're going into coaching and you're thinking about like, I have to have a brand and I have to be speaking about things, I have to do my marketing, that all involves expression um, and if my expression is feeling like completely cut off because I feel like, what if I say something and it's harmful for someone, then every single time I went to post or talk about something, it was like dragging my soul across like hot coals. 
Like I was just like, every launch was like, oh God, like it was like the, the tasks. Yes. But then also like the emotional turmoil, like I'm great at holding space for myself and I'm so glad about that. But also like, man, that was hard fucking work. It was just really hard all the time to write about my life, to process things out loud, just to show up in the way that I really wanted to and felt like very compelled towards. And this is another part of this dichotomy of blueprint imprint is that the blueprint is so strong. And so you will always have that call. And then the imprint comes on and kind of shuts it down. So then you're like in this, like, I really need to be self-expressed. It feels so good. I love how it feels and I can't do it. It's impossible to do it. And so we get this double bind in our system where we're just kind of stuck in like torturous limbo, not knowing how to move out of that. And so through the process of kind of unwinding that stuff, and part of that was because I tended towards the dimming, like I wasn't an overshare or overexpressor. I was more like, I'll do it every once in a while and then I'll need to recover for like a little while and then I'll come back again. Um, What the medicine for that space is really like, even if you never express again, even if you never post anything, write anything, draw anything, paint anything again, I'm going to love you forever. So let's drop the idea that you have to show up in this kind of way. And can I just love you where you are in your stuckness and your freeze? And that's the medicine that like, that like freeze needs is just like, oh, okay. Oh, like even just, I don't know if you're feeling anything from that, but I still like feel the like, oh God, thank you. Just release that pressure. I can be scared and I can see that freeze as actually incredibly intelligent. I'm really afraid of something and I need space and time to warm up, to dethaw this like hardwired response in my body around expression being painful and harmful. Instead of rushing through it and being like, well, I've got the content plan. Let's fucking show up for it. <laughs> Cause I could do that. And I was successful in it, but like, it made me kind of hate my job a little bit. <laughs> And so this was like a process of like, okay, let's like, let's hibernate for real. Let's hunker down. Let's like be with this like really, really big feeling. Um, And then eventually that starts to like thaw and you start to feel like the grief and the anger and the pain of regret. And then through, as we move through these motions, then what's on the inside of that, it's the joy and the freedom. And so now in my business, there's, actually embodied choice as opposed to being like, I can, I can do that. Right. I can do a lot of things. We're resourceful people. We're very capable people. All the women I work with are like this. We can do anything, but what do I really want to do? And does it, how can I make it feel good? Like, can I do this from like an actual place where I'm like a yeah, full body? Yes. I didn't know what that meant before this kind of reprogramming in my body. And so that, like, that, that small change, Jamie, changes everything. <laughs> and so, like, everything just becomes, like, hella easier, right? Like, because I'm not fighting myself all the time, making myself wrong all the time, thinking about how fucked up I am all the time. Instead, I'm like, yeah, shit's hard. And, like, let's be with my body for a minute and see what really wants to, like, squeak its way out. Is this actually a yes What's like my inner authority really wanting and knowing right now? Yeah. What do you think we access when we give ourselves that grace? 
just like, again, I'll come back to that radical self-consent, right? And that really brings sovereignty online. And like a, 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 that, that also means that your worthiness has come online. So I know now that like, I don't have to do shit to like be successful, to be happy that anyone else tells me to do. I need to like show up for myself, feel what feels good inside, know that I can like set boundaries on how I want to show up in my work and how I want to show up in my friendships and that those can always be in flux and fluid. I don't need to be stuck. And so then there's just so much more movement in our systems in that way. When that comes online, you kind of come become like unfuck with a bowl in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Can you speak more to like how you typically work with clients through this? Cause I know you have a program that you're opening again soon. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, like what, how do you, how does someone begin to do this work? Like how, do, <laughs> where you go from like feeling, you know, uh, controlled by your own anxieties and patterns and yeah. Operating from fear constantly or like running instead of mm -hmm. making choices and moving fluidly through the content plan. <laughs> <laughs> or like insert any other to-do list here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I created this program that we'll be launching again in early October. We start in uh, mid October, October 13th. Um, because I realized that there was like a moment that needed to happen before jumping into a one-on-one -on -one container for a lot of people, because we don't really, especially as women and I work primarily with female identifying people, we are um, complete, actually taught the opposite of being in our bodies. We're told to like completely dissociate from our bodies uh, because they're judgment. Like there's just so many ways that our bodies have to fit into this weird fucking box that just is like, well, I can't. And we just like, don't want to feel it anymore. And so we need to move from this place of being completely divorced from our bodies to moving in and finding safety in being in our bodies because right now for many of us feeling and being in the body isn't safe and instead of thinking of that as wrong or fucked up we see it as like a symptom of living in this toxic soil and so how do we meet the symptom with love and compassion and give you tools because it's really just about skills and tools that are not taught in school on how to create safety in the body and, and be able to be with hard stuff so this first program is really about setting the, like getting our intellect on board for that, because that's part of it is like, okay, like I'm hearing this conversation here. That makes sense. I can see myself and providing a bit of a map for people to be like, oh, like one of my great phrases is like, you're not uniquely fucked. Like <laughs> everyone, your, your experience is incredibly personal. And there are a lot of other people in this boat with different kind of looks, but we can do this together. And I love the idea of doing it together in a group because it's a big initiation to thinking about our bodies as something that's actually helpful for us, that actually holds an inherent treatment plan within us in the company of other people that are just experiencing that for the first time. Because one of the big things about trauma is it's incredibly isolating. And so community is necessary. A lot of our trauma is interpersonal. And so to be able to do it in a, in a doable way where you don't have to be the one-on-one -on -one focus in learning all of this new stuff, learning how to connect to the body, to feel our sensations 
every feeling that we have intellectually has uh, a representation of sensation within the body. So we start to learn how to feel that. We learn how to evoke our feelings. We learn how to have boundaries around our feelings. Like I have 10 minutes to feel this. Let's go for it. <laughs> we learn like some mastery in this space so that coming into the one-on-one, -on -one, we have a really good like groundswell of support. We already feel like the mountain instead of our like issues being the mountain and us the tiny thing at the bottom. Can you say more about like we're the mountain instead of our feelings being the mountain? Because that's that's some deep that's deep right there, and I feel like you're <laughs> saying a lot. And can you kind of pull that apart for a second? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the greatest um, skills and gifts that I can bring to a coaching relationship is that I truly believe that you are resourceful, capable courageous beyond all measure and that the blueprint of health that exists in me and every other living thing exists in you and the possibility of that being the way the momentum that your life runs in is so alive for me so when i look through your application for work together i pull out all of the things that are already very alive and present for you because we want to take that momentum that exists and maybe it exists in a very small part of your life or maybe it's amazing in relationships but it's not here in business and so we want to look at that and actually hold that as the truth of who you are this is the mountain part of you the mountain that exists inside of you trauma isn't about picking going to like the deepest darkest hardest parts of you it's about building momentum towards safety and feeling and being with in ways that feel accessible and good that are built on the back of this mountain of like creativity, resourcefulness, joy that already exists in your life and letting that momentum flow through um, the hard parts. And so if I see you as a mountain, if I see you in all of your potentiality, in no way trying to like discredit or bypass the difficulty that you're experiencing, but rather as an accurate like portrayal of all that you are because in in momentums of trauma we can only feel like trauma but there's always so much more that's what i mean by seeing ourselves as the mountain so that when the winds kick up in our lives like they have in 2020 and arguably all the years before then we don't fall over because we're the mountain that's so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> Um, one other question I want to make sure I ask you is, um, cause there might be someone listening to this. Who's like, this is really resonating for me, but like, how do I know, how do I know if I have trauma? Like, how do I know if this is really the thing? Right. Mm -hmm. So can you just speak to like how that, how you see that typically showing up and what that looks like in like, uh, how to identify that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So one of my favorite definitions for trauma, and it's again from Rachel Maddox, is it's an embodied violation hangover. So, so many of us believe that um, trauma has to be this like kind of major event um, or it's like prolonged as well, but it can be a whole range of things. It can be the, just a consequence of living in like capitalism, trying to thrive, you know, 
for me, that's a collective trauma spell. And then there's the individual things and, and it can be any range of things. The thing about trauma is that it, I can't name the circumstances through which it would have occurred in your life because every body is different. We could live the exact same life and carry very different things forward from it. And so what we want to look at is how maybe that expresses in your life. And usually what we'll see is patterns of, well, the way that I'm kind of viewing things now is we've all been kind of like moved into this chronic freeze in our lives where, especially right now, we don't know what to expect. We don't know how to handle that. We don't understand the chaos. And so we're just like zoning out majorly. And we have like a lot of tech that really helps us do that. So this is the freeze response of like, I can't feel things. Things feel impossible. I'm completely overwhelmed. And this is what happens in the nervous system when it gets overwhelmed, it shuts down. And so this is freeze. And so my body tends to hang out here quite a bit. And what we see is pockets of hyperactivity. So that's the place where we're in freeze and we're like, holy shit, I got to show up. I have bills to pay. People are depending on me. Look at that bitch. She's doing it. Like all the different functions through which we activate ourselves into action. And we push ourselves out of that freeze zone and usually bypass this beautiful window of flow and feeling and resourcefulness and creativity this zone of tolerance and miracle and mystery into another trauma response at the top which is hyper and that's where we are overperforming, where we give way too much where we perform this like hyper socialization which i call like the joanne dance which is like what does everyone need let me give it to them let me make it all better which is really like a very feminized or gendered ex expression of that. Um, and perfectionism hides out here, like all of these ways that we, I guess the way to notice it is like, it feels like running up there. That's that like, I'm gonna hustle for my worthiness. And many of us will do that for a long time because we get a lot of cookies up there. It's like, oh, here's a promotion because you're amazing at your job. Here's all these other accolades um, because you're performing in the way that we want you to by overextending self. And then we tend to see like health issues crop up. People experiencing a lot of my clients are like, I built this beautiful fucking life and I hate it or I can't feel it at all. I can't enjoy it. I'm sitting in front of my partner, my kids, and I'm like, this is great. And I just feel like a ghost in my life. And so it can look a variety of different ways but these are the perpetual kind of patterns that we see kicking up around it. And then eventually you can't stay in that hyper for forever. So you collapse again. So maybe you show up in hyper in relation to other people. And then when you're by yourself at night, you completely collapse. You just like zone out scrolling and there's a place for that, of course. But like when it becomes, I guess, more mm, syndromal, maybe would be the word that I use there okay to want to check out it's a wild world out there but is that how we're like really spending our time and are we ever actually getting regenerated by that joanne now it's time for the five million dollar question imagine that you had five million dollars just magically land in your lap no strings attached no obligations to do anything in particular with it what do you do with that money if I received five million dollars, no strings attached, in my pocket today, uh, first I want to like 
presence that, because maybe other people can uh, relate, um, I feel completely frozen by that question, completely frozen by the awesome possibility of like all the things and ways that that could be used and then also overwhelmed by the responsibility of it of like how do I um, steward this money in a way that like is responsible for not only just me and my beloveds but also like this greater world so just wanted to like (laughs) presence that um what would I do with it um I would probably speak to really smart people about where are the places that I can invest my money in new tech um, and organizations that are going to make, that are currently, I should say, making a huge headway towards like, like solving some of the biggest problems with humanity, like this earth and what the fuck we're doing to her. Um, and the people and how are we coming together so what can I invest in I would say some of that investment is still going to go towards me and my healthcare, <laughs> like how I can get better better care um, in Canada particularly going towards like what are the places where I can put my money that'll help move us forward around taking better care of one another um, in politics like what are the people that I can put money behind that are going to get elected to make change um like who are the people that I can work with that I can help um, grow their businesses and get their work out into the world because they're amazing at what they do and we need them. So what are the ways that I can throw money into supporting others that are doing amazing work in this world? I'd also probably want to go to like, where's that place where you like your villa is on the ocean? I don't know, like on stilts. I'd, I'd like to go there, I think. I'd like to have some like really luxurious... Um, amazing experiences for myself. Um, when I think about being like rich, I want to be like, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Generous. Like I want to have the riches that support like new levels of generosity. Um, so I think just the that, like being able to like treat the people in my life to like really beautiful experiences because we're all deserving of really amazing stuff um really like to feel like taken care of you know um yeah that's kind of the start that's a really big question um but those are the kinds of things that like come forward like what are the what are the who are the people organizations tech that I can throw some money behind that's gonna make a big difference in this world how can I be like a good rich person um, what are the ways that I can redistribute that wealth in ways that make systemic and sustained change? How can I really care for the people in my life that really matter? Um, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that a good answer? I don't know. Thank you so much, Joe. <laughs> I hope I'm being, uh, clear (laughs) no you are you're making all the sense it's just so good um well where can where can we stalk you find you get more of you like where where like how do we sign up for this program that everyone on the planet clearly needs especially the creative types who are feeling like overwhelmed stuck or like they're running constantly to try to make things happen Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm 
particularly that like the thing that really resonates for me is that like using shame to like show up for our obligations only to collapse afterwards. That's like the main pattern, but you can find me at, uh, on Instagram. That's where I'm most active at Joe Tucker coach. And then through there on the link in my bio, that's where you'll be able to find information on, on the upcoming program and also how I work one-on-one with people and the hybrid options in there too, because I always got to have a hybrid, you know? Um, but yeah, that's me. Joe, thank you so much. This has been amazing and you're just such a gift. Thank you for taking the time to share all of this with us. It's my pleasure. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Are you a talented writer who's aching to hit that six-figure mark with a copywriting business? Because if so, I've got good news for you. Doors are now open for a special case study round of my program, Create Your Six-Figure Copywriting Business. In it, you'll learn and implement the agency-style approach that had me hitting five-figure months just three months after going full-time in my business. Let me show you how to make the most money possible as a writer for hire because you know you're that good and a few tweaks to your business will allow that value to finally show up in your bank account. If this is you, I am not kidding, go to my Instagram right now at Jamie Lynn Jensen and send me a DM that says six figures and I'll send you all the details. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money and please don't go anywhere without subscribing. My hope is that the show becomes the therapy you didn't have to pay for and gives you all the know-how, confidence, and ahas you need to succeed on your journey. Sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day. So please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Sharing that with a rating and review also helps me reach more awesome humans like you and I so appreciate it. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives like you as well, and also with me, please join us in the private Creatives Making Money Facebook group at creativesmakingmoney.com slash group. It's totally free to join. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Do not hesitate to head over there right now and grab all the goodies. And as always, create like you mean it.